Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond once again with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Glad to have you here on this fine uh, Wednesday morning out of uh, base right out here at Daytona Beach, Florida. I don't know where you're at today, but it is good to have you here with us studying the Word of God because our God is good and His mercy endures forever and ever and ever and ever. Man, I, I kind of feel like i got a... Uh, some of you may not understand this terminology, but I kind of feel like I got a Holy Ghost hangover. You know, when you get to uh, get in the presence of God, and you just you know really experience Him, and it, it just has an effect on you, not just spiritually, but even physically. Man, we had such a tremendous time last night on the Raven Nation. If you're checking in with us for the first time, well, uh, this is a, a, a division. This is a Raven Institute of Ministry of Biblical Studies. We do this every single Monday through Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Time, uh, right here on our. Uh, through our webcast, and what we're doing is we do we're doing an expository teaching throughout the book of Romans, and and as we go through, we'll be doing other other books of the Bible, and just really equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. But something else that we do through Raven Ministries International is we have a a uh, national webcast that we do with all of our teams across the nation. We come together and we just uh, worship Jesus. We quote unquote we just have church on a on a global scale, and so I want to invite you if you've never been a part of that, if somebody's giving you the a taped version of this or a CD, and you want to. Uh, know more about it or participate in it, you can go to www.biggrace.com and click on Raven TV on Tuesday nights at 8.30 p.m. and you'll find us right there. What was really neat, guys, I got an email uh, last night after the program uh, from a friend of mine from Texas. He and his wife uh, tuned in and, and some folks, that, as a matter of fact, I, I went to high school with them, so you can tell how long ago that was. And uh, they had come onto the webcast and just said they had a tremendous time being there with everyone. And said that they're going to set their schedule and they're going to be there and they're going to worship with us and hear that word every single Tuesday night. And so it was really neat hearing from those guys. Uh, longtime friends, I've known them for years and years and years, had been out of contact with them for a long time. But they're hearing about that. But man, God is just doing some amazing things, and and we're just we're, we're just blessed to be right in the middle of what God is doing. And you know, we, when you stand literally upon that precipice of time and that that moment, I, I think about what the Word says. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna read it real quick because we get started this morning. Um, it's out of the Book of Matthew. Let me find it real quick. It says in Matthew, uh, this is thirteen seventeen. Um, Jesus said, I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see, but have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear, and have not heard them. Certainly, folks, it was very true when Jesus began to speak, when he talked about prophets desiring to hear what those folks got to hear, and to see what they got to see. Guys, listen, if it was true then, it is even so much more true right now. There's things that you and I are getting to see and, uh, and, and behold literally unfolding in this world during this time that we which we live, that the, the patriarchs and the saints of old look look longingly towards these type of things. And we stand literally as, as, as what their desire was, to see the things that we see. And so we talked about a little bit last night on the Raven Nation about can we not just tell the signs of the times. Guys, we're living in the last days. And for us, it shouldn't be a, a situation where we, we cower or we're afraid, but man, we ought to embrace these times because listen, 
nearer is our salvation than when we first believed. And so that's so what is so imperative for us to get into the Word of God, allow the Word of God to get into us, and to, and to, to literally go out and work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Not work it in, but work it out. Allow the salvation of God to come out of our lives, to manifest the, the glory and the majesty and the testimony of Jesus, that it might bring salvation to other people. So we're living in that day, and you know, you see it, many of you folks, and like I said, if you're listening to us, Raven Ministries is just an acronym. It's it, it, it's more of a uh, it's it's more of a philosophy than it is an organization. It's just restoring a vision, R A V E N, and evangelizing nations. And so our heart is just to see the vision that God gave in His Word. Those things that the prophets desire to see, the things that the righteous men desire to see, but they can't. But to see the restoration of those things come upon the body of Christ, come upon the church, not as a a organization, but an organism. And we want to be that growing organism that goes out and testifies that Jesus Christ is Lord and He is soon to return. And we just want to birth an urgency in our own hearts and, and to hopefully speak forth a, a word that creates an urgency and a desire for others to, to grab hold of what God is doing in this last hour. So, man, I'm just pumped. And once again, I want to invite you out to Tuesday nights to come and be a part of that. And uh, we'll see what the Lord does. We're going to do some mobile things here pretty pretty soon and so uh, we may do this teaching out in different venues around the country while we if we're traveling or whatever else so it's going to be good good opportunity to lift up Jesus and what this really helps too we're going to uh, sometimes when I'm out of town we have to uh, we have to cancel the class but hopefully uh, now that we can kind of go mobile we've got some of those little kinks uh, settled up uh, technically we, can, we won't have to do that in the future. So, praise God. Good to be here this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Just asking for a blessing on this time. Father, we just thank you for this day because most assuredly this is the day, Lord God, that you've made. And it's a day that you've made, Lord God, God for us to, 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 to see and experience, Lord God, the, the fullness of what you have. Father, I don't want you today just to be like another day, Lord God. But I want this to be, Lord God, a, a time in history. Lord God, a time where, 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 where my expectancy, Lord God, intersects the destiny, Lord God, that you have for me and for my, my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord God, for this hour and for this day. Lord God, I don't want to just pass this off as just a, another Wednesday or just another uh, day in the 25th of July, Lord God, but I want it to be a day, Lord God, of expectancy and looking, Lord God, Father, for those opportunities to share Jesus, Lord God, with anybody I can, whether we're at work or at school, Lord God, whether we're at, in our neighborhoods, at the store, whether we're, wherever we're at, Lord God, today, Father, just cause an awareness to come into our hearts that this is a day that, you, that you've ordained. Maybe it's a day, Lord God, that's, that you put someone in our path that, that needs to hear about you in order to come to Christ. Maybe it's the day that there's someone that's bound by an issue, that we need to pray for them, that they can be set free. Maybe this is the day that, that we encounter someone that's sick in their physical body, and you've Call us to, to pray for them, Lord God, to touch them, Lord God, to minister to them, Lord God, that they might be healed and made whole, Lord God. Maybe this is the day that we just draw closer to you, and Lord God, the, 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 those, those, those divisions that we had in our relationship with you, Lord God, that, that, that just, Lord God, through, through tearing and rendering our hearts, Lord God, and just coming before you with a heart of repentance, Lord God, we're restored. But we want the fullness of this day to make itself manifest. And Father, even as we study the Word, we just pray, Lord God, that there would just be a glorious illumination of truth that would come into our hearts and lives. We just pray that, that you would just reveal yourself, you would reveal your word, you would just confirm it, Lord God. 
in us and through us, Lord God, as we go about the, the task of this day and the duties and the responsibilities of this day. And we just ask you to give wisdom and understanding, Lord God. Open our eyes to see. Cause our ears to hear. Cause our hearts to be receptive, Lord Jesus, of all that you would have for us this day. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. If you have your Bibles, turn out. We're in the book of uh, Romans, the fourth chapter. Fourth chapter of the book of Romans. And we're going to dive into that this morning. Man, there's some good good stuff in the book of Romans. I'll tell you what. As I take a sip of my coffee. The, the Roman letters is so rich. You've got 16 chapters that literally lay the foundation for the Christian faith. And... Um, I'm hoping in these, what, 42 lessons that we've had so far in the book of Romans that you're getting something out of them. And we're just blessed that, that we're seeing a lot of participation in this class. And not only that, but just literally thousands and thousands of downloads of these classes. And if you're listening to this on a download, these things are non-copyrighted. I encourage you to copy them, give them away, uh, put your name on them. I don't care. You know, it's freely received. We freely give. And so uh, take and use those things and spread that word around and allow it to, to, to minister to other folks as well. And so... Chapter 4, we talked about yesterday that really it's a, a, a pivotal, that's uh, so uh, pivotal, I should say, in that it clearly just really establishes that salvation or justification uh, is by God's grace and through faith alone and not by any other means. We said something, and I want to say this, we've, we've talked about the, the, in, in Ephesians where we're told that we're saved by grace through faith, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. And, but we're created, we're his workmanship that we're created unto good works. And so, anytime we're looking at this, we, we know that salvation comes through grace, through faith. And, and I can't reinforce that enough in our teaching on this subject matter. You hear so much spoken of about grace. You hear about uh, the sufficiency of grace. You hear these things, but they always come up short of the other component that, that grace requires to bring about salvation, and that is this issue of faith. And so when we're talking here in, in Romans chapter 4, we're looking at some things, and we, we've talked about, uh, we, we've looked at Abraham out of verse 1, and that because he had faith, uh, that it, he, it was accounted unto him for righteousness, and these issues re regarding those things. But folks, always remember that, that God draws us, or He uh, influences us, through this, this, this what we call grace. Grace being, and you guys know that have been on this class, that grace is that divine influence of God upon the heart and its reflection in the life. That God is influencing. God is influencing. Here's the good news, folks. Grace doesn't end with salvation. Just like faith doesn't end. I mean, we've got to walk and live by faith. We talked about during the Raven Nation program last night that the just shall live by faith according to, to, to Romans uh, 1, 15, 16, and 17. And it's not something we just walk by in, in particular circumstances or situations, but, but, but faith is what we live in. It's, in Him we, we live and we move and we have our being. Everything about our relationship with Christ Jesus is a, a living it. It's not something that I get up and I put on in the morning and I take off at night or I just wear on a Sunday morning. But it's something that, 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 that I abide in Him and He abides in me. When I come to Christ Jesus through faith, every single thing changes. There's a change in my identity. Who I am changes. I cease to be Troy Bond, just the, the, recognized as the son of Raymond and Catherine Bond, and coming from you know whatever heritage or lineage or family. As soon as I come to Christ Jesus, boom, every single thing changes. Who I am 
uh, is transformed. And, and so he begins to see me in a different light. But with that, that, that change of identity uh, comes a change of my destiny. So where I'm headed. Folks, without Christ Jesus, regardless of how nice you were, regardless of what situation that you came from, regardless of, of, of how great your family was or whatever it was, folks, apart from Christ, we're all lost and without hope. We've learned from the book of Romans that there's none righteous, not even one. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But when we come to Christ Jesus, boom, through faith, our destiny changes. What happens? I've said this many times. You know, Millie and I, were, uh, we met when we were 16 years old in high school. We, we ended up getting married at, at 19 years old. We've been married 21 years this coming November. And, uh, but, you know, in, in, our, in our life, there was, there was many things that we had to, to, to go through. And there was challenges that, that, that we went through. Whether it was uh, circumstances and family, finances, whatever it might have been, particular times that people go through in general. I've told her in many cases, I said, Honey, have you ever seen anything that we went through that started out bad, that ended up bad? Absolutely not. Why? Because we know that through faith, the Word says that, that He'll cause all things to work together for the good of those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. Does that mean that it's always going to be easier? It's going to turn out easy? It doesn't mean that at all. It just means that at the end of it, that God is working those things out in our life. It's His good pleasure to give us those things pertaining to His kingdom. And so folks, when we walk by faith and we live by faith, it's going to produce that, that change in identity, who we are. It's going to change, put, uh, produce that change in destiny, where we're going and what we're doing. Some of you that are listening to this, you know, when you when, when you were on your own, you know, what your destiny was destruction. But when you came to Christ, He sets you literally on a fast track to, to, to attain things. And, and regardless of who you are, if you hold a position in a church, if you're a leader or whatever else, God has got one plan for you. And that plan is that you will be a world shaker and a history maker for His kingdom. And you, the history that you make may be on the backside of a desert. It may be uh, somewhere where you're you're not getting the notoriety and recognition, but literally, because of who you are and because of the testimony that you hold in your heart of Christ Jesus, when you speak and you preach into other people's lives, history is being made, literally. Because when you come, when you speak to someone and that word penetrates their heart through the drawing of the Holy Spirit, that grace that comes and influences them, and that, that word strikes them, and that, that grace has something to fall against, which is faith, and they repent. Literally, someone's history is being written, folks. You're put, the name is being written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Why? Because of your obedience. Because of your faithfulness. Because of the fullness of faith in you. And you're speaking out that fullness. Now think about even that word. It's a faithfulness. I'm going to be faithful. And so the only thing that we have to offer anyone else is the overflow out of our own life. Out of the abundance of of the heart the mouth speaks. And so when I get into the Word of God, as we do on a daily basis, what happens? It creates an abundance. And so it creates the outflow of something. And so if God is calling you to preach, if God is calling you to teach, folks, the only way that you're going to get there and have anything to flow out is to get into the Word of God. I say it on every program, get into the Word and the Word will get into you. And so what you've got to do is literally you've got to stuff yourself full of that Word. You've got to fill yourself full of that water of the Word. That way when it comes time to share with others, you've got something that's going to flow out of you. There's a faith fullness that's going to pour out of you. He that believes in the Scripture, as the Word says, out of his belly is going to flow rivers of living water. And so when we're talking about this faith, that it's, it's, it's only through 
through faith and faith alone. It's not of our own works. And so we broke this down into four sections. And we I mentioned yesterday that verses 1 through 8 basically just clearly establishes that, uh, that salvation or justification before God is a gift that's, that's freely given and it's not earned. There's nothing that we can earn uh, uh, do to earn that type of salvation. We, whether it's we go out and preach, that doesn't earn it. That's just our responsibility. Whether we're good to people or we're nice to people, if we call ourselves uh, Mother Teresa or we call ourselves this or that, none of those things are going to warrant salvation. It's through faith and faith alone. Uh, 9 through 12 show that uh, he was t- t- revealing to this Jewish audience that circumcision was not necessary for salvation since Abraham was justified before he was circumcised. Verses 13 through 17 reveal to us that uh, justification cannot come through the law since Abraham was justified hundreds of years before the Mosaic law was even given. And 18 through 25 really just kind of summarized the whole thing that justification comes by faith and from all else. And so we're going to finish looking at this first section or this segment of verses eight, uh, 1 through 8 today. And so I want, to, I want to read verses 1 through 8. I'm going to actually read verses 1 through 3. And we're going to look at those again and get into what we're going to talk about this morning. He says, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he has therefore uh, he would have a reason to glory, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. I love what he says. He says, he says, in verse 3, he says, What does the Scripture say? Folks, listen, if you get anything from this teaching on a daily basis, here's what you need to, you always need to ask yourself the question, What does the Scripture say? One of my mottos in discipleship is this, If you don't have Bible, you don't have anything. And so, folks, it always has got to come down to that point of what does the Bible say? What does the Scripture teach us? Not what does a, a denomination teach us? What does not does a religious leader teach us? And I've said this time and time again. Listen, it doesn't stop here at this table. That, that this is just the Acts 17.11. This is the, the make you like a Berean, more noble than the Thessalonians, that you'll receive the Word readily, but you'll search the Scriptures yourself to see if it's so. That, that it ought to cause a hunger and a desire and, a, and just the audacity to dive headlong into the Word of God to see what it says. So he says, what does the Scripture say? Many times we've been out on the streets witnessing around this this country and we're talking to someone and they'll say, well, you know, I just think, well, Jesus wouldn't want you doing it that way. If you're confronting someone in a sinful situation, they'll say, well, I just don't believe that's the the, the way Jesus would would have you to do it. And I say, well, you know what? And I'll hand them the Bible or or I'll just tell them. I say, well, can you show me that in the Word? Well, no, I just, I just don't think that that's the way he would do it. And so we just begin to expound on the Word of God. And what's interesting, a lot of folks will speak on behalf of Jesus, but they don't even know what his Word says. Folks, we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ should never be guilty of those type of things. We have got to hide the Word of God in our heart. We've got to, to place it, not hide it in the sense that, that it's, it's, it's not touched or it's unseen, but we've got to cause those things to come into our heart that we won't sin against Him or we won't miss the standard. And that standard is always going to be holiness. That standard is going to be righteousness. He says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which you will not be able to see the Lord. And so we've got to always be ready to give a man an answer for that, that, that hope of salvation. And so the only way we do that is to allow the Word to come into our life. Thus saith the Lord. You can look throughout the Scripture. Look when Jesus was was tempted of Satan in the wilderness. What did He say? He said, It is written. It is written. Behold, thus saith the Lord. This is what God has said. This is what it says. And so, folks, we've always got to endeavor to get into the Word of God and to allow that Word to get into us that it can flow out of our lives. Some of you folks are saying, Man, you know what? 
I just have a hard time uh, just remembering Scripture. I have a hard time doing that. Folks, that's what the Holy Spirit is for. Listen, uh, certain people don't have a certain lease on that or it's not just given to preachers or whatever else. What you've got to do, and Pastor Alex touched on this a couple of weeks ago on our Raven Nation, you've got to create a need for that. And so I'm in a situation and I put myself in situations where I, I'm going to need to be able to draw from that word. Whether it's witnessing to a lost person, whether it's teaching someone, whether it's discipling someone. I want to put myself in a situation of need because the word says that he will supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Folks, when we come to the word of God, listen, it is a source for our need. And so if I put myself in a situation where I'm ministering to someone that, that has a particular uh, uh, issue in their life, man, I, I need to draw from that well. And so what do I do? I study the Word, but when I get into that situation, because there's a need, He said He would supply all of my need. And so you'll find sometimes when you're witnessing to someone, you're thinking, where did that come from? Just the other day, uh, we was talking about a situation with, uh, with divorce and remarriage and, and adultery. And, and immediately in my mind, I saw uh, Matthew 5.32, Matthew 9.19, uh, Luke 10.12, Luke 10.13, that all deal with the subject of divorce. Now, folks, I've never sat down somewhere and, and, and just said, you know, I want to remember those things. I want to memorize those, those subjects. I'd have to probably look just like anyone else would. But just boom, because I put myself in a need, I drew from that. Now, you know what? That is imprinted on my thought. And so now, because I drew from that need, now we take ownership of that word. That word becomes a part of us. And so anytime we need to grab a hold of that word and draw from it, boom, 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 we know where it's at. But the folks, the word that comes from is when we say to ourselves, what does the Bible say? And allow ourselves to become that, that, that epistle that he's written, both his words upon our heart that we can speak those things. And so it, when dealing with this justification by faith and faith alone, folks, we've always got to come back to the source which is the Word of God. So what we're going to see throughout the book of Romans, and, and we're, we've been dealing with some just some intense subjects. I mean, really, it's, the intensity of the, the book of Romans and the subject matter that we've talked about is, is really challenging. You know, I've, I've got reports from people that are talking about, man, this is a difficult time, and this is challenging me, and man, God is just exposing things in my life. Praise God for that. That's what we want. We want that Word to come as an, as an, an, an illuminary. We want it to come as that thing that, that, that turns the light on, that removes all the darkness. Folks, I don't know about you, but man, I want, I want to be found out. You know, I, I do. I want God to, to find me out in that time of seeking Him and His Word. I want, I want Him to reveal anything inside of my life that is contrary to His character, that is contrary to the person of Christ Jesus. I want God to bring through His Word, through, through studying that Word, a new level of faith. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so when I tell you that, that, that we're looking here in the book of Romans, chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, that it's establishing that, that salvation is strictly through faith alone. Folks, where do I get faith from? I get faith from the Word of God. That's why you see so many people that, 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 that say a quick prayer. They, they recite something that some preacher told them to say. Folks, that's not built upon faith. That's built upon a system. And so the, the, the only system that's going to work is the, the system who is Christ Jesus. That's why it's so uh, uh, important for us when we go out and we win the loss to give them a clear picture of what salvation is. Never to dumb it down and say, listen, why don't you just try this out? You know what? And see, watch what God, watch what God does. God doesn't tell us. He, he, he does give us an instance in Malachi 3 regarding our, our financial resources to test Him or challenge Him on that. But folks, listen. Salvation is not something we just test. It's not a try before you buy we don't take a test ride. What it costs cost you is death 
on the spot. If any man desires to come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and fall after. We've got to die to ourselves daily as we deny the desires of the flesh. And so we've looked at some intense subjects on them, but one of the, the primary subjects that we've repeated over and over again is that of the, the, the responsibility of believers to walk in holiness before God. I know I know I do. Folks, every single day I've got to I've got to really literally crucify. Galatians two twenty is is got to be a reality for me on a daily basis that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live. But if I'm gonna live a life in this body, in this this, this fallen man, I've got to live to his glory. And so what we talked about that through faith, but but folks, listen. If you wondered in your life, man, God, how can I walk in holiness? How can I walk in deliverance? How can I have the right heart or the right attitude? Maybe you're not in some uh, abject sin or uh, in, in something that people would call some type of heinous thing. Maybe you're not a drug addict or involved in, in some sexual immorality or whatever it is. But folks, anything that misses the standard of Christ Jesus is unrighteousness and it's sin and it brings about death. But what is it that's going to bring holiness into our life? It's faith, folks. It's that that it's that 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 moral compunction or that that moral conviction of the truthfulness of God. And so, when I believe what God said, it's going to produce something in me. You know, when we were kids, we might reach up on the top of the stovetop and, and touch a hot skillet and get burned. I tell you what, after that first time that I got burned, it made a believer out of me because I could look and I could behold the effects of that upon my life. And folks, what the Word of God does is it brings a revelation of sin. You know, law came that sin might abound. And so when God even gave the law, He gave it to reveal those type of things. When He gave, we look at Exodus 20 with the Ten Commandments, and thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not have any other gods before me, thou shalt not commit adultery, and the, and the other seven, that, that He gave those things to reveal. But He also gives His Word through Christ Jesus, John in uh, uh, Gospel of John, chapter one, that, that that word came and it was manifest in the flesh in Christ Jesus, and He became that light, that and that light became the light of men. And so we have the ability through the Word, through getting into the Word of God, to to live a victorious life, folks. Listen, what the Word should produce is a steadiness in our life. You know, when we're always chasing the next grand moment, we're always chasing the next the next high. Basically, what we're going to find is we're going to find that every time we're chasing that next high, it's going to be uh, it's going to be followed by the next low. And so, what if we just build line upon line, precept upon precept, and there's a consistency and a constancy that comes out of our life, folks? That's what faith is. Faith produces a constancy. It's not something that's way we're built up in our most holy faith. That's why he, he tells us in Ephesians chapter two that that we equip the saints for the the work of the, the the ministry. That way, they're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but they're standing upon a foundation of faith, and that faith is going to produce righteousness. In our lives, and so as we get that and and we grab a hold of it, so what we've seen is the picture that we've been given through this teaching. We described, talked about propitiation in the tabernacle, and we and really that first three chapters set a really a high bar and a high standard in regards to our personal responsibility. Folks, listen, we're not saved by works, but something comes into our life with when we when we come to Christ Jesus, and that is our responsibility. And and I want to say something that that when we come to these eight verses here in, in verse one through eight, that it, it ought to bring things into perspective. And I want to say this though, and listen closely to me. You are only justified by faith in Christ Jesus and that alone. Okay? So anything that I say in regards to that, always know that that's the premise that we're walking off, working off of. That you're justified by faith in Christ and that alone. There's nothing else that you can do that's going to justify you. There's no hoop that you can jump through. There's no team that you can be on. There, there's no t-shirt that you can wear. Nothing that's going to justify you before God. 
But, now listen to this. Your responsibility, as I've talked about, is just that. It's your ability, according or because of the new birth, to have the ability to respond righteously. So when I say that, folks, we have a responsibility, what I'm saying is that we've got the ability to respond righteously in Christ Jesus. The Word tells us explicitly that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things are made new. And so if, we're, if we have a genuine conversion, if we have a genuine salvation experience in Christ Jesus, instantaneously and in a moment, we're going to have the ability to respond righteously to the voice of God. Now I want to say this as well. We, we, we tell people sometimes, and this is based upon our own religiosity, our own traditions, that you know what, you're, you're going to struggle, you're going to do these things. I just don't see that in Scripture. You know, are we going to have temptations? Yeah. But he said with every temptation, he provides a way of escape. And so when we, when we, when we step into sin, sin is not something that you fall into. Sin, the Word says, that we're, we're led away by our own lust, we're enticed, and when those things conceive, they bring forth death. And so what do you've got to do? You've got to, you've got to cut that thing off at its source and that is in, in, in your mind where it starts. I, I had a discussion with someone recently about, uh, about suicide and I believe something about adultery. And uh, the person said, you know what, I don't, I don't know if I just completely agree with the fact that maybe anybody that commits suicide uh, is going to go to hell. Or, or maybe if a guy that's lived a good life and he, he, he falls into an adulterous relationship and all of a sudden you know, he has a heart attack or something happens and he dies. He said, I don't think God, you know, this for that, that one moment of indiscretion. That, that God would, would cause them to go to hell if they've, they've lived an otherwise uh, righteous life before Him. And I had to stop him. And I said, so, I said, you're operating off the false premise. You're operating off the, the premise that just suddenly that the guy was just overtaken and said, hey, I think I'll open the drawer and just pull out a gun and blast myself. Or the guy said, well, here, here's a woman that's available. I think I'm just going to hop in the sack with him. Folks, listen, those things don't just happen in an instant. Those things are conceived. Those things are meditated upon. Those things are pondered. Those things are, are, are thought out and lived out in our hearts hearts and their minds before they ever materialize. The, the man or the woman that has a, a, an illicit relationship outside of a marriage, they, they just didn't wake up one day and say, man, how did this happen? No, what they've done is they've pondered that stuff. They've, 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 they've probably cultivated the relationship that would become the adultery. They've, 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 they've meditated upon that. They've flirted. They've, they've put themselves in a position that they could do those things. The person that, that takes their own life, what have they done? They've, they've allowed uh, despondency and they've allowed depression. They've, they've got out of the Word. They've ceased to pray. They've, 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 uh, they've, they've uh, allowed iniquity to be regarded in their heart. And so over time, then they check out. Folks, listen... Sin isn't something that just pounces on you. It, it, it says it lays at the, at the door and waits. And so it's always standing out there. So every single day, listen, you've got to know that, that, that sin is sitting right outside of your door waiting to pounce. And so don't think that you're going to walk out one day and, and stretch your arms out and say, man, this is a great, good day. Sin's not waiting. No, sin is very ready to pounce upon you. And the only thing that's going to enable you to respond righteously or to have that responsibility is staying in the Word of God. It's getting and hearing from God before you hear from anyone else. And so that's why it's so important to start out your day like this in prayer and in, in the Word of God because what does it do? It ought to set the tone for your thinking throughout the day. Everything ought to funnel and flow through what we call the Word of God. And so what saith the Scripture? Folks, 
it's not it, it, it's not some external experience, but rather an internal transformation that, that causes us to have that ability to change. I want to say that again. It's not our external experience, but an internal transformation that allows us to do those type of things before Christ. And so, once we come to Jesus by faith, this transformation occurs within us that literally enables us to do and live by an entirely different standard than we did as unregenerate sinners. Folks, I have a, I have a phrase that I say all the time. You know, I'm, we're witnessing, talking to people in the streets or wherever it is, and you know, they'll they'll use profanity and they'll say, "Oh, I'm sorry," and I say, "I say, man, that's that's perfectly okay. That's just who you are." You're just speaking out who you are. You testify of who you are. And, and I'll ask them, I'll say, do you, do you have any reason why the animal, a dog, barks? And they'll go, well, I don't know. And I say, because it's a dog. Dogs bark because they're dogs. Sinners sin because they're sinners. We, we, we do what we are. And so, folks, if we are the righteousness of God through faith in the blood of Jesus, what should come out of our life? We should do righteous, righteousness in our life. Holiness ought to come out of us, not because we do holiness, but because it's, it comes inside of us. We become holiness. We become His righteousness. We become, uh, we become faithfulness. It's not what we do. Otherwise, it, it ceases to be a faith walk and it becomes... The works of the flesh. And so folks, listen, faith isn't who you do. Christianity is what, not what you do. It's who you are. Folks, ministry, preaching the gospel is not what I do. It's the outflow of who I am in Christ Jesus. And so whatever our responsibility is that we pick up in Christ, maybe you've got the responsibility to, to teach a class to children or teach youth or, or, or preach in, in, a, in a jail or, or, or minister to women or, or whatever it might be or you, you have a street ministry, whatever it is that God has called you to do or, or to care for some. That is, that is the response out of your ability. God will enable you to do those things and to respond righteously as such as you put yourself in that position of faith and belief Believing on God that, that, that you don't have the ability apart from Him that, that in your flesh dwells no good thing but He became that source that you draw from in every situation. Folks, listen. Uh, to do the things that God's called me to do uh, I'm a testimony as I said here today as somebody that was very unlikely, someone that, that wasn't particularly gregarious or bold or, 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 or well-spoken or anything else. But what I did is I just said yes to faith. I said, God, I want to say yes and I want to, I want to have faith come into my life. I want to believe that you can change and transform me. And I don't want to have faith in, in, in what I know or what I can do or my gifts or my talents or whatever else. I want to have faith in Jesus Christ. And I want to believe that genuinely I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so, if you're sitting there today and someone has given you this, this Christian personality exam or this spiritual gifts test and they told you, well, you're this, you're sanguine or you're caloric or you're melancholy or you have this certain type of personality so I'm going to pigeonhole you into this. Tear that junk up. Cast down imaginations and, and vain philosophies and anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. Folks, listen. You can do all things to Christ who gives you strength. And so whatever that situation, it is not limited limited by your lineage, or your family background, or anything else. Just like we've talked about with Abraham, as it says here. Listen, what did Abraham learn? That, 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 that he, he was our father pertaining to the flesh. What has he found? That this man that was once a Gentile, that because he believed in God, that God counted it unto him for righteousness.
righteousness. Because he had faith. And what did he become? He became the father of many nations. Folks, you may find yourself sitting in a foreign land. You may find yourself spiritually sitting in a foreign land or whatever else apart from what God is, is, is instructed to do. But listen, it is through faith and faith alone that you're going to be able to do what God has called you to do. I believe that there's some that are listening right now that you're facing some enormous, an enormous challenge that you're dealing with some situations that you thought to yourself, God, I just I feel out of my league. I, I feel beyond my my, my comfort zone. I, not only that, but I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm in over my head. Praise God that you're in over your head because the only thing above you is Christ Jesus. And so when you get in over your head, you put yourself in a position, situation where you've got to depend upon Him. Because if, if you were able to do it based upon what you had learned, what you had been taught, what you had heard, what you had able to uh, accumulate through, through uh, your own uh, independent study, folks, listen, what would you need Jesus for? But God will put us in situations hopefully as we walk in obedience that will get us in over our head that the only thing that we can do is reach up to Him that we can draw nigh to Him with a pure heart and He'll elevate us to that place of ability that transcends our ability and our inability to do those things I've said before that God is not looking for great ability He's looking for availability and what faith does faith puts you in that place and that literally that spiritual predicament of availability. That I'm going to position myself for the miracles of God. I'm going to position myself for the voice of God to speak unto me. And so it, it raises us to a, a different standard and an expectancy in Christ Jesus. I want you to look at a, a scripture. Think about this scripture in regards to Abraham and, faith, and faith's role in his life. And this is out of James 2.23. James 2.23. Here's what he said. And it says, And the scripture was fulfilled which said, Abraham believed God. He did what? Abraham believed God. I love that because you know what? We've got to walk in that belief. I want to believe Him. And I'm always drawn back to the words that talk about if I believe, here's what it's going to produce. If I believe, out of my belly is going to flow. And so we know that He believed God. And it says, as a result of that, it was imputed unto Him for righteousness and He was called the friend of God. Folks, that word impute, that's not a word that we use in our, our English vernacular on very many occasions. But literally, that word impute, and write this down because it is so powerful. It means that it was placed in or for your account. That something was deposited, so to speak, in your account. And so if I told you, listen, I, I, wanna, I need your account number because I've I got some finances that I want to give to you. And so I go and I put those in your account. Now, regardless of where that came from, you know, you didn't put it in. But it was, it was put in. It was, now, did you do anything to, to earn it? Did I say, well, i got a job for you to do? No, I put them in your account because I love you, because I saw a need in your life. And so all I did was had to get a permission from you or get your account number to put those type of things or put those finances into your account. But once I put those things in, what happens? You've got access to those things. And so listen, think about it in that regard again. Uh, Abraham believed God. And because he believed God, that belief, what belief does in our life, folks, is gives God access into our life. I want to say something. I want you to hear this and understand this. God will not involuntarily change your heart. Okay? He will not do it. He will not involuntarily change your heart. But here's the thing, folks. You cannot change your own heart. Okay? You cannot change your own heart. Now I want to jump to something else. And that's that when I speak of heart, I'm talking about who we genuinely are, that, that spiritual condition that we are. Now here's the thing as well. You cannot, uh, God will not change your mind. But when we change our mind through repentance, what it does is it gives God access to come in 
and change our heart. I want to say that again. When we give, when through our thoughts and through our own will and through those, those things that God will not circumvent, God's not just going to say, man, I'm just going to go make a deposit into your life uh, w- without you giving me access to those type of things. And so if I said to some of you guys, say, hey, I want you to make a deposit, you're going to have to ask me to get access into that account. And so that's the exact same thing that Abraham did here. And what we, we're learning out of, of, out of Romans chapter 4, and as we see here in James 2.23, that because he believed, what he did was gave God access to make a deposit of righteousness into his account. Folks, listen, that's not a one-time deal. That's not something that just happens at salvation. Every single day, what we've got to do is get on our face before Jesus. And we've got to say, God, listen. Man, I, I am, I, I am, I'm undone. I am, I am totally destitute. I have a zero balance. As a matter of fact, Lord God, I don't just have a zero balance, but my account, spiritual account, is in the red. But Lord God, today, through repentance, through, through just laying my heart before you, Lord God, for turning away from sin, what I want to do is I want to spiritually hand you my account number, Lord God, and I want to give you access unto my account. And Lord God, I'm asking you, Lord God, whatever your mercy puts upon you, Lord God, to do. I give you access into my account to whatever that deposit would be this day. I want you to deposit that into my life. Folks, see, that's what Christianity is really all about. It's I'm changing my mind. I'm giving God access into the account of my life. And so when God imputes something into us, what He's doing is He's he's placing it into our lives that we can draw from the benefits of that. Folks, listen. When God put righteousness and salvation into your life, He put those things into your life so you could withdraw the benefits, not to hide those things. But what something has happened that is so grievous and so vexing spiritually in Christianity in the last few generations. Uh, folks are filling up churches all around America. There's, there's never a, a shortage of persons getting up on a Sunday morning and going to church. Look at Barna surveys. A lot of people go, thousands, literally millions of people will fill churches tonight on a Wednesday. Many uh, million more will fill, fill churches on Sunday. And they'll, they'll have something deposited. They'll have the Word deposited. They'll have prayer deposited in them. The Holy Spirit will be there in those places. But the problem is, is when they refuse to access those things and begin to, to, to draw out from those accounts that God has put in their lives. Folks, listen, not only does God deposit those things, but He expects, listen, for those things to come out of our life, for, 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 for us to withdraw those things for other people on a regular basis. Something the Lord showed me, and it really was, a, it was an issue of just possessions and kind of in a natural sense, but it really has a deep spiritual meaning to me. And He told me, He said, most of what I've given you, He said, I've given you for someone else. Folks, and that's really what our lives ought to be about. Listen, me, I don't, I don't have a whole lot. Today, my pockets are, are virtually empty. And so I don't have, he hasn't, he hasn't given me great wealth or great positions, but I know what he has given me. He, he's given me an understanding and a hunger and a desire for his word. And so as I come day after day, and I spend literally hours each day, and, and obviously each week sharing and teaching the word, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm drawing out. God's given me anything that I have. It's the Spirit of God that enables me to open my mouth and make any sense out of the Word whatsoever. But folks, what if I just sit somewhere in a monastery and I just sit on this Word that God's entrusted me with, the, the, the ability to teach the Word or to convey it or to open my mouth and make known the mystery of the Gospel as we hear in Ephesians chapter 6. What if I just sit on those things? You know what? It'd be like, it'd be like day-old manna. It'd be rotten to me. And it would, it would fester and it would be a judgment to me and it would be a spiritual disease even though it started out good. Folks, listen. Whatever God has deposited in you, you need to draw that out because chances are what He's given to you is not 
not just given to you to set on, but He's given to you to deposit in someone else's life. Maybe God has given you such a word of encouragement. You need to, and He's encouraged you. You need to encourage other people. Maybe He has blessed you financial resources. You need to bless other people. Maybe He's given you the ability to, to preach the word and to, to, to preach faith into people. Maybe He's, he's given you the a gift of prophecy or the word of knowledge or the working of miracles or healing. He's given you those type of things. He's deposited or imputed those things of uh, those righteous things into your life. Folks, listen, we've got to go out and begin to deposit those and to withdraw from that source into other people's lives that He can pour more and impute more into our life and our, our accounts. And so, a deposit of righteousness is made into our lives when we come to Jesus Christ through faith. And in situations, folks, when you're struggling in your walk, you can make a withdrawal from that place. And so, regardless of what you find yourself in, you can withdraw from that place of righteousness and say, listen, God, I'm struggling with my thoughts. I'm struggling with unforgiveness. I'm struggling with lust. I'm, I'm struggling with unfaithfulness. You know what? He's imputed something into our lives through, his, through faith in His Son, Jesus, that we can draw through and we can apply it to those situations that's going to bring victory into our lives. First John 4.4. 4. I love this. First John 4.4. 4. He said, you are of God, little children. Who are you of? You are of God. Because why? You believe God. And, and he said, you are of God, little children. You've overcome them because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Folks, there is such a greatness that if you call Christ Jesus Lord, that's within inside of us. And, and the sad thing about it is, the sad commentary, is the fact that folks are not drawing from the greatness. We, draw, we would rather draw from our own personal weakness and our own personal excuses than drawing from the greatness of God. So many times people in the church say, I can't, I can't, I can't. But the Word says that I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. Folks, there's a reason that I can do what God has told me to do because I've been willing to do it. Where I lacked, you know what I said? I said, God, I want to put me in that situation of need to create it and God can do it. And so anything that I do for the kingdom, whether it's preach the gospel, whether it's witness, whether it's teach, whether it's pray for the sick, whether it's sing a song, whatever those type of things in, at one time I didn't have the source for those things. But what I did, I put myself in a situation where I had to draw from that I created the, the, the spiritual need and God came and imputed into me through faith in Him and through faith in His ability that transcended my uh, disability and it brought about a responsibility or an ability to respond righteously to whatever those situations were. And so Romans 12.22, Romans 12.22, and we'll get to Romans 12 sometime, but He says, don't overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. And folks, what is that goodness? That goodness is what? The righteousness that He's deposited in us through faith and faith alone, not in our own abilities, not in our own strength, not in our own uh, uh, religion or whatever it is, but it's drawing from that source. Your source of overcoming or your source of victory is drawing from the righteousness that God through His grace has deposited within your very life. Folks, if you're going to have victory, your only way you're going to do it is draw from that source which, is in, which God has given to you. The good that allows you to overcome, folks, is not your good. It's His good. Okay? If you're going to have that, that goodness and be able to draw from those things and overcome evil with good, the goodness is His goodness that He's deposited in you. Taste and see, the, the Word says, that, that He is good. And so if I've got that goodness, there's something that's, that has been pressed upon my lips, that's been filled within my heart, that I can see His goodness. And so I can reach down spiritually in that, that, that moment of, of trial or tribulation. I can draw out that and I can overcome whatever evil it is with good. Then I love what it said in James 2.23 at the end. It says that because it was uh, imputed unto Him for righteousness, that Abraham was called the friend of God. Folks, listen. We too can be called the friend of God. What greater, 
What, what, what greater testimony than for God to call you friend? Think about Abraham. It says that he was called the friend of God. It, it, it said of Moses that God spoke to him face to face as a man spoke to a friend. But folks, as great as those guys were, listen, they're the, they're the same Matthew 13, 17 situation. They desired to see and experience what we see and experience, but they didn't get the chance to. They didn't have the ability to have Christ dwelling inside of them through the person of His Holy Spirit. All they could do is look in forward in faith. But folks, listen, we stand, it, 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 it's been faith not only revealed, but, but faith fulfilled in the cross of Calvary and through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so what we have to draw from is, is, is that relationship that we're, we're the friends, we're the offspring, we're the sons and daughters. We've come to that place. A friend, by definition in the Greek, is one who maintains a close association with, it's one who has a devotion. It's one who has a, a, a deep familiarity with. One who is a constant companion. So folks, if I want to be called the friend of God, listen, I, man, I'm going to maintain association with Him, with His holiness, with His righteousness, with His word, with His truth. I'm going to have that, I'm going to maintain that, that place in Him. I'm going to have a, a devotion to Him. I'm going to have a familiarity with who God is. I'm going to know what He said. Why? Because I stay in His word. I'm going to know what He said. Why? Because I stay on my knees. I'm going to know what He said. Why? Because I I, I incline my ear and I listen to his voice. It's that friend. Now listen to what verse uh, 4 said. We, we looked at that when Abraham believed uh, God and it was counted unto him righteousness. Then it says in verse 4, it says, Now to him whose works, uh, the wages are not, uh, now to him who does works, the wages are not counted to him as grace, but as debt. Folks, this is really a powerful and enlightening verse for us to look at because we're, we're looking at all these things. We're saying that, that we, what shall we say then uh, concerning Abraham our fathers pertaining to the flesh? What did he find? And if Abraham were justified by works, he would be able to glory but not before God. What does the Scripture uh, say then? Abraham believed God and was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him who works, or it's given the flip side, it says that Abraham wasn't based upon works. It says, but what about those that try to accomplish what Abraham experienced and what we experienced through faith in Jesus Christ according to works? It says, what about them? It says the wages that they experience or they receive are not counted as grace or the divine influence upon God producing a reflection in the life, but they, they come out and they're counted as a debt instead. Folks, you know, I've heard people say about their job, listen, it seems like the more I work, the less I make. It's the same thing. When we try to do works in order to get righteousness, what it does, it creates more unrighteousness. Why? Because, folks, listen, if we do anything apart from faith in Christ Jesus, it becomes self-righteousness, and self-righteousness is like filthy rags. More self-righteousness? Folks, it's more filthy rags. So if I say, well, listen, if I just go to church enough, if I just sing enough songs, if I just do these other things, folks, listen, those things, and I've said it before, will never produce righteousness. Prayer is not there to produce righteousness in your life. Reading the Bible will not produce righteousness. Going out to the streets and witnessing will not produce righteousness in your life. All those things do is tap into the righteousness that God has put through the only way, which is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. By me going and doing what I do, preaching, whether it's on the streets or in a church or all over the country, listen, those things are not saying, man, he does those things so God's going to love him more. Listen, God loved me before I, I was called his friend. God loved me before I repented. God loves me and his love is unchanging in my life. And so and when I first got saved uh, 22 years ago, the love of God has 
not changed, diminished. It's not increased one bit. Why? Because He gave me every single bit of it. He, he loved me and He imparted that, that love not based upon what I do, but based upon what He has done. And so but when we begin to think that I can do some works, I can do these type of things, and they're going to create righteousness in me, it doesn't. It creates a debt. And so we're putting the responsibility back upon ourselves. And so the good works, or that word works, or work in the King James, it means to do that from which something results. Or in other words, that the workman works in order to earn wages. And as so he's saying, you know what? To the one that, that works in order to work, earn wages, he says those wages are not counted in him but grace, but as, but as debt. So if one is attempting to earn their salvation through things that they do, you've got to consider a couple things. Think about this. Number one, that the debt that man owes to God, so if you're thinking, man, if I can just do a few things, if I can just live a certain way, if I can just uh, be noble enough or benevolent enough, if I can do some type of random act of kindness or whatever else, man, God's going to look favorably down upon me. Folks, you're in for a, a rude awakening on the day of judgment if you think that anything that you can say or do is going gonna, is gonna to win righteousness for you. And so if you look at somebody's life and you say, well, you know that Mother Teresa, I'll tell you what, man, she, she, God must really look favorably upon her because look at all the good things she did. Listen, folks, nothing that Mother Teresa did period, as great as they were, are going to be counted for righteousness for her. The only thing that would, that would be for righteousness for Mother Teresa or for, for, for George Mueller or anyone else that's ever done or Troy Bond or, or yourself that's going to be righteousness is going to be the blood of Jesus Christ and faith in Him. We can't somehow say, okay, look at what I do, look what I'm doing, that, that means righteousness. Absolutely. We've got to always point people back to the Christ, cross of Calvary and say, look what Jesus Christ did. That is what is accounted to me righteousness. Regardless of what you see me do or what you see me not do, none of those things are going to be indicative of who I am in Christ Jesus. None of those things are going to speak and say that, uh, that, that that's why I'm righteous. The only thing that's going to declare my righteousness is Jesus Christ looking into my life and saying He has believed. Lord God, I declare Him not guilty. So uh, the, the thing you've got to know is the debt that, that man owes God for sin is so astronomical that it is absolutely absurd to think that there's everything, anything that we could ever do to work it off. That it is absurd to think that, okay, I'll do these things and hopefully that I can work off some of this payment. I can be not. Folks, that is the absurdity. That, 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 that's what is interesting about all other religions of this world that have as the, this basis, even Christian-based religions. We think that there's some way that we can earn our way back from sin or that we think we can earn a return to right standing. Folks, it's never going to happen. You cannot earn your way back into those things. It has already been paid and it's imputed to us. Righteousness has been put on our account because of Christ Jesus. Uh, Colossians chapter 2 verses 11 through 14 says this. And it says, In Him, speaking of Jesus, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands or something in the flesh or natural by putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ Jesus. You were buried with Him in baptism in which you were also raised with Him through faith. Through what? You were raised with Him through faith in the working of God who has raised Him from the dead. Folks, if we're going to be raised up, if we're going to be elevated, if we're going to be declared righteous, it's strictly going to be through faith in the working of God who has raised up Jesus from the dead. And in verse 13 it says, And you being dead in your trespasses, uh, together with Him, having forgiven you all of your trespasses, uh, 
excuse me, and you being dead of your trespasses and the circumcision of your flesh, he is made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting requirement that was against us, which was contrary to us, which was contrary to who we are now in Christ Jesus, was, was contrary to our responsibility, our ability to respond. He wiped those things out and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Folks, listen, that, that negative balance that we had spiritually, because He's imputed, because He's deposited in our lives, because He has placed something in our hearts, listen, He has taken those things out of the way. He has wiped out. He has cleared your spiritual credit report, not because of what you've done, not because you went to a spiritual credit repair agency, or you went to a special conference, or somebody said they laid hands on you and they fixed your situation. Nobody's going to be able to do that. He said that He took those things away from you, he wiped out the handwriting that was in the requirements that were against you, that were contrary to Him, and He has taken them out of the way, and He nailed those things to the cross of Calvary. And also, 1 John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins, that He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is something on account for that. So, any attempt on our part to pay for it, to pay it back, or to pay off sin, actually has the exact opposite effect. And it's not counted as grace. It's not counted as the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in life. But it actually creates more debt But because it serves to nullify our faith in the only one who had the value in his life, the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world, to pay off that enormity of our sin. Psalms 103.10 says this, He does not treat us or reward us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities or our, our path of least resistance. He does not do those type of things. And verse 5 says, But to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. And so verse 5 basically tells us for those that, that say, Listen, I'm not dependent upon the works of my flesh. Uh, I'm dependent upon the one who justifies me. The Bible says that his faith is accounted for uh, uh, for righteousness. And that's important. Why? Because most people just won't admit their ungodliness. They won't admit that they're wicked and they, they, they need help. They're destitute apart from God. Most people will try to evade embracing that judgment is coming. They'll say, well, I just don't believe that God would, uh, loving God would do that. I just don't believe that there's a hell. I just don't believe that, you know, these type of things. You cannot believe it what you want. You cannot believe in gravity, but the second you jump off a 10-story building, uh, the fall may not make a believer out of you, but I tell you what, that sudden stop on the pavement down below is going to make a believer out of you. So you may not believe in judgment, but one day that you're going to face judgment apart from Christ Jesus. And so he says that, but, the, the, but to him who does not have the uh, works, or does not say that it's about works, but believes on him, who justifies even the ungodly, his faith is accounted to, to, uh, to, uh, for righteousness. So folks, the only answer for all of humanity is believing in Him. I love what it says in Acts 2.21. It says, It shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And folks, that sounds easy enough that, hey, i just got to call upon Him. But literally what that word call upon, it, the, 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 the transient definition of that is whoever uh, uh, surrenders title, deed, and ownership of himself, whoever has a full belief, whoever becomes the friend of God, whoever has a complete devotion unto Him uh, shall be saved. And so folks, listen, 
our justification, our holiness, our righteousness is accounted to us through faith and faith alone. Then, then verse uh, 6, it says, Just as David, who, des- who describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. I love that he uses David because we all, we're familiar with David. We're familiar with that he was a, he was a, a man that had a, a, a heart after God. That he was a man that, 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 that was powerfully anointed of God, that did great things. But he was a man that also found himself in a, in a dreadful situation of sin and of adultery and of, of, of murder, conspiracy to commit murder. But because he was willing to humble himself and say, God, against you and you only have I sinned. Today, take the time, read the 51st Psalm and you'll see what he's talking about this. You'll see where David's, the blessedness of that individual or his blessing came from. It was came from the humility of the heart and the faith in Christ Jesus and the dependence of, of looking forward at that sacrifice that was going to be made unto him. And he said in verse 7, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord God shall not impute Sin. Folks, there is that blessedness. There is that righteousness, literally, that I've talked about this morning in verse 7 and 8. It's, 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 there's a blessing, there's a deposit that's put upon our, our hearts where our deeds are forgiven, where we, that the, that the, the count that's, 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 that's been in arrears, the, the count that's been in the hole, that our sins have been covered according to the Word of God. Our sins have been covered according to for 1 John 1 and 9. They've been blotted out in all those ordinances and those things that have been written against us according to Colossians 2 and 14. Those things have been uh, uh, nullified because God has now given us the response or the ability to respond to holiness and righteousness. And blessed is the man whom God now will not impute sin, will not hold sin against you, will not put sin back on your account. Folks, the only way that you can do that and you can move from a place of having only sin imputed to you to now having righteousness put into your account, folks, is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are totally out of time uh, today. We're going to get into that second section, those next uh, verses, verses 9 through 12, and possibly into 13 through 17 tomorrow. Folks, listen. Faith, faith alone in Christ Jesus. But the Word says to, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Allow faith to come out of you. Don't hold it. Don't, don't harbor it within yourself. But take that deposit He gives you and go out today and begin to deposit into other people's lives. Folks, today, i got one bit of advice to you. Get into God's Word and God's Word will get into you. Have a great day.